0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML.
1: In the uh, greater Toronto-Hamilton area, apparently more than 588,000 tons of greenhouse gas emissions could be eliminated altogether. A report by Mars and the Atmospheric Fund says that the amount of greenhouse gas emissions could be eliminated over the next five years by a different kind or a different mode and a different mindset about transportation. Uh, joining us on the program to talk about this is Sasha Soot, who is the Energy Project Manager at Mars Data Catalyst and uh, one of the lead report authors. And uh, we welcome Sasha to the Bill Keller Show on CHML. Good morning, Sasha. How are you today?
2: Good morning, Bill. I'm doing well. How are
1: you? I'm well, thank you. This is a, 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 a great example of outside the box thinking. Maybe before we get to the possible solution about this report, which, which features something called microtransit, why don't you outline the problem and the dilemma that we're facing right now?
2: Um, sure. So, essentially, uh, there are a lot of challenges associated with, uh, um, you know, climate change, GSG emissions, with um, air pollutants in uh, because of uh, transportation. Uh, we have uh, transportation as one of the largest or fastest growing sources of emissions in the greater Toronto urban area. Um, it's, it constitutes about 30 percent of uh, emissions in the GTHA. And uh, services like microtransit can potentially reduce emissions from the sector by getting more people into shared vehicles, which is organically happening through services like Uber Pool and uh, Rideco um, that are being offered in the GTHA. And uh, there's potential to uh, reduce those emissions and address other. Uh, benefits like uh, congestion on the roads and uh, shortage of parking spaces at GO stations uh, which can be eliminated and or reduced by having more people uh, share modes of transportation. Um, such as microtransit.
1: Have we have we been approaching this the wrong way? I mean, I mean, there's been a push, and I, and I understand where it's coming from, to get people out of their cars and, and into public transit. And that's a very laudable goal. I think we can all agree that if, uh, if public transit was affordable and, and, and accessible and convenient for people, a lot more people would do that. But notwithstanding that, there are still going to be people that are going to drive, aren't there?
2: Um, absolutely. Um, we will see uh, people drive, um, you know, across, uh, across uh, for commuting to their places of work, uh, from, from home to work or to other locations. Um, the question is, is there a convenient and affordable way for them to do so where they can leverage other modes of, uh, um, you know, personal car use or, or, or vehicles that, that, that drive on the highways that's a little bit more efficient in uh, moving people across cities. And, and that's what microtransit is really looking at, on how can you match the demand and supply um, of, uh, um, trans, uh, of of movement or transportation within the GTHA uh, to better meet this need.
1: Uh, Ian Klesmer is also with us, of course, from the Atmospheric Fund. Uh, talk to me about the logistics of of, of trying to incorporate something like microtransit. Uh, Ian, just how feasible is this? As a, as a concept, it sounds great, but I mean, the, the bottom line here is we have to get people to buy into it.
0: Yeah, well, Bill, I think it's, it's happening and it's growing. So, you know, a couple of key trends are feeding into this. So first is that um, we all have smartphones now, and we have ready um, information as to you know where 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 cars are going. There's companies that can optimize routes based on where we are in real time and to to pool rides together. and the other thing is we're becoming much more comfortable with sharing stuff so I think Uber Pool, which Sasha mentioned before, is already a great example that people are feeling more comfortable getting into cars with people they don't know. They can strike up conversations, and they can both get where they want for much more cheaply than if they were to go alone. Similar with Airbnb, we're sharing our houses more. And so the, 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 way, the mindset that people have about sharing resources is changing, especially the millennials are becoming more open. I was going
1: to say, it. it's, this is a generational thing to a certain extent, isn't it?
0: yeah I think it's a generational thing I mean uh, there are people who from all generations that are open to it, but I think particularly the younger generation um this is- you know they don't want to own cars anymore it's more of a liability than an asset in many places and so the, the more options there are to get around uh, the city in an efficient and quick and cheap way, the better um so th- i mean this is this is happening i think um you know it's it's really Probably in everyone 's interest to to work together rather than having kind of the wild west of you know a bunch of private companies doing a bunch of different things, if we can get the regional uh, tr- transit planners like Metrolink and the local transit authorities all together and doing a coordinated approach. And this type of micro-transit solution can complement existing transit as opposed to kind of eroding that, that existing base.
1: I, I mean, part of the, the, the impetus, I think, for this, Sash, is, is simply if anybody's been on the Gardner or the Queen Elizabeth Way during rush hour, either morning or afternoon rush hour, the number of vehicles there that, with only one person in them, just the driver, uh, and you got to figure, hey, that's, that's part of the problem. How do you solve this?
2: Mm-hmm. No, I think that's absolutely it. And, and, and our study even looked at, you know, sort of large movements of uh, transportation across the GTHA. So we looked at things like, uh, you know, people trying to get to go stations and there being being congestion there where they're either not able to find parking or they're having a hard time getting in and out of go stations. We looked at large events that get organized, you know, whether it's concerts or games, um, sporting events uh, that happen in the GTHA, where, again, you see um, highways and, 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 and the like getting getting clogged up. So there really um, you know, is an opportunity uh, where you can engage both public and private sector actors uh, to start to coordinate um, and start to see how we can get people um, in, in to, into shared vehicles um, in a way that's convenient, in a way that meets their needs, Um, and also addresses a lot of societal benefits, uh, such as, uh, you know, reduced requirements for building new infrastructure, whether it's parking and or new highways, or um, just uh, easing congestion and making it easy for people to, uh, you know, make the right choice, whether it's public transit and or uh, shared services, because um, travel times get improved a, a lot, a lot more.
1: Yeah, that's, that's an interesting concept, and and you outline in the report exactly, about how this could actually uh, be incorporated. And Sasha just touched on a couple of these things that just reminded me of a bunch of us going to a concert a couple of years ago down at the, the stadium here. We're going to go see Keith Urban. A great show, by the way. Uh, but we ran rented a limo. There was, about ten of us, and we figured instead of everybody driving their cars, you know, we'll just take one vehicle. That's, that's really the concept here, isn't it?
0: That, that's exactly it. I mean, microtransit can take many forms. It can take the limo that you're talking about. It can be a commuter shuttle run by the local transit authority. It can be um, an Uber run by a private enterprise and um it's really kind of a very fluid concept but the the core element of it is that let's say um six people are going to be driving in their own cars on the on the down to the Keith Urban concert this way you can get five of them out of their their driving positions six of them into one car and you can cut the 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 number of cars on the road by a huge amount and so everything runs more efficiently um, the air is cleaner People often can get rid of their first, their their second car, and sometimes even their only car. Um, so, uh, and they can go see the concert too.
1: The other element to this too, let's talk about this is affordability. I mean, if you're ride sharing, it's it's probably not going to cost you as much as if you were doing this by yourself. Now that's going to depend on rates, et cetera. But I mean, whether there are, there, there probably have to be adjusting rate structures. But I mean, it's it's going to make it more feasible and more attractive to people if they figure, hey, it's it's not going to cost me as much money as if I have to drive my own car, pay for parking at that facility or where, where, wherever it is you're going. So that there there is a business case to be made for this too, isn't there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. There is, um, you know, you're, and you're talking about it on a per ride basis. It's often yeah. cheaper to pool than than to drive. Sure. Um, but when you and then when you think about the cost of actually owning a car and the maintenance and the insurance and the gas and the parking, you know the estimates are that it can be over ten thousand dollars a year. So if you can shed a car in your family, that has even greater economic benefits.
1: One of the other elements of this uh, report that I find intriguing, Sasha, is that uh, uh, this is not just a conceptual uh, idea. I mean, what's what you've developed here is, and what you go to, into detail in the report is in many cases, those services already exist. It's simply a matter of us tapping into them.
2: Absolutely. If you uh, look across what's happening uh, globally, we can see many examples of uh, um, these types of microtransit services already live in market. Some are being developed by uh, the public sector. Some are being developed in partnership uh, between the public and private sector. And then, and then some are um, being offered by the private sector directly. Um, one good example that, uh, that is live and being tested today is in uh, San Francisco. Um, there's a suburb called Oakland, and the city of San Francisco has a pilot running right now where essentially through an application, the customer can pick their origin, their destination, and uh, the application will give you a couple of choices. Do you want to get there in 45 minutes and pay $7, or do you want to get there in an hour and 15 and pay um, you know, $3.50? Um, and, and these numbers are notional, but essentially it's giving customers choice and then, based on the choice that the customer makes on, you know, time and/or costs or, cost or w- what combination works for them, the application essentially organizes a pickup vehicle uh, supplied by the private sector or the local taxi company takes you to, uh, a, um, you know, a mass transit uh, uh, opportunity, whether it's a train from the suburbs into the city, and then you get picked up. Uh, buy um, a, a, a taxi or a ride-sharing service like Uber or Lyft line, uh, and get dropped off at your end destination. And all of them, from a customer perspective, is, is, is all of this is seamless to a customer where they make their payment once and gets deducted from their credit card and they don't have to worry about tapping in, tapping out, or making one form of payment, getting a pass for another. It's all seamless to the customer, door-to-door service and delivery, and it's live, the technology is available today.
1: You mentioned a couple of minutes ago, Ian, that, uh, that this is very much, uh, like I say, somewhat of a generational thing. But to, to get that consumer buy-in, I mean, it w- wouldn't take a, a huge modification here, would it? I mean, because technically we, we, we've been doing ride-sharing for years. I mean, when you get on a bus, it's ride-sharing. I mean, when you get, when you get on a train, it's ride-sharing. It's just doing this on a more micro level.
0: That's exactly it. I mean, we all kind of have reference points in our lives where we, where we share rides all the time, whether it's in taxis or, 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 or buses or subways. So it's really just kind of shrinking that down to a more micro scale. Um, But, um, you know, I think uh, it it won't take very long for anyone to get their minds around this type of concept. And uh, it's a, it's a type of thing that might seem kind of strange the first time you do it, and then you get used to it, and then it just becomes the status quo.
1: What There are some problems going on. You mentioned uh, Uber a couple of times and some of the services that are being offered there. Uh, there are still some concerns in some municipalities, even here in Hamilton and in Toronto, uh, with Uber uh, and the administration. Governments uh, are, are trying to re- get their heads around Uber. Uh, there's uh, some pushback from the taxi industry on that. Do you, do you see that as, as a, a, a major obstacle to, to try to implement something like this?
0: Um, well, you know, anything new is... Uh I think there are definitely some new policies that would need to be worked out. For example, um, a lot of local transit agencies have a monopoly on this type of uh, ride. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, a a lot of local transit agencies are realizing that, um, you know, this could actually complement the services that they already provide because sometimes it's not really cost-effective for them to be providing a full bus um, on a night shift that's that's re- that's driving by empty or um so it might be it might make more sense to have a shuttle that that can only drive eight people but the capacity never really exceeds that anyway so i think there's gaps that can be filled within the the existing local transit infrastructure that makes sense for the transit agency. It could make sense for a private provider, and it could make sense for riders in general.
1: To that point, Sasha, does government have a role in trying to get this going, or is government's job here to get out of the way and let it happen?
2: Um, I, I think there is uh, there is an opportunity for collaboration, um, and, and, and you know, making sure that we are able to do this in a way um, that that makes it easy for. Uh, the customer to uh, commute and or, or and or transport themselves from one location to another. I mean, just within the GTHA, we've got about 30-plus municipalities. And uh, for anything like this to be successful, there, do, there does have to be some level of coordination so that, you know, if a customer wants to go from Scarborough to Mississauga or from Oakville to Toronto, um, there is... A, a level um, playing field or a level set of rules uh, for service providers to offer customers choice and or provide a consistent experience in terms of uh, how they can access these services and, and meet their uh, day-to-day transportation needs. And to that end, you know, if there are governments that are leading the charge on on coordinating these types of efforts, um, sharing and making sure the learnings from um, early pilots or test implementations uh, with uh, you know other uh, other government organizations, uh, both at the provincial level and at the municipal level will be valuable because there are some regulations that need modification, and uh, you know uh, some amount of coordination needs to be in place to make sure that uh, um, you know this this is broadly successful for meeting uh, consumer transportation needs because some of the biggest movements in uh, across the GTHA in the transportation sector happen between cities, and that's one of the highest volume uh, applications that we've identified uh, that could help reduce congestion and/or emissions. Uh, Uh, from uh, microtransit. So there needs to be some level of coordination and uh, to the extent that transportation agencies like Metrolinx, et cetera, can can help drive that change and and help share some of the learnings from those pilots and activities, um, that would help make sure that we get uh, um, to a coordinated and uh, uh, quick um, implementation of the strategy in the GTHN.
1: You know when I talk to to people that don't use transit, and I ask them why, Ian, invariably the, the two things I hear is, well, it's not easily accessible, and and it's it's just not convenient for me. Uh, this pretty much f- covers those two those areas of concern, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I I, I think it does, and um, it, and you can look at it in two ways. One, um, it can be you know if if uh, transit's not readily accessible or convenient, this could be um, a, a good uh, Alternative to transit, um, but also you know one of the most uh, important use cases that came out of the report is that um, it can actually help um, with the, this so called first or last mile approach in getting people from their homes to the local transit station or the the local go station so that they can take the train and um, I think that's that's a real area where you can see the complementarity between micro transit and mm-hmm. existing transit and um just to Sasha's point about government, government coordination, the Regional Transit uh, Authority, Metrolink, they recently did a, a pilot in Milton where they um, partnered with uh, RideCo, a private enterprise, to bring people to the Milton Go Station because parking is a huge problem. They're overcapacity at parking, but there's rooms left on, on the train. So they solve a problem in getting more capacity on the train, uh, less parking in their lots, and more people um, being able to use the service in a convenient way.
1: Well, you got a dialogue going, and that's a good thing, guys. And uh, we really appreciate the report, and uh, hopefully some cities will embrace this, and we can see this moving forward. Thanks so much for this today, Sasha, Andy, and appreciate your time. Thanks very Bill. much, Bill. Take care, Bill. Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And listen to The
0: Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.